You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's Tuesday, September 1st, 2020, just after market close in New York. This is the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I'm Ash Bennington in New York. It's TG Tuesday. We're joined shortly by Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator. But first, with the day's stories, Nick Correa. Thanks, Ash. Today, the PMI reading for August came out to be 56, up from 54.2 in July and above the median projection of 54.8, indicating the fastest rise in U.S. manufacturing since late 2018. This upward momentum, in part, is due to the major jump in new orders to 67.6, reaching its highest point since 2004. And this is due to inventories that are rapidly depleting. These two factors continue to support the U.S. manufacturing bounce back from its historic lows earlier this year. However, U.S. manufacturing employment demonstrated ongoing contractions as firms continue to exercise caution in the face of an uncertain future with COVID-19. As employment lags, this could pose risks to this recovery in U.S. manufacturing. China is also continuing to lead the global manufacturing recovery as they too had reported strong manufacturing data yesterday. The Chaishin Market China Manufacturing PMI came in at 53.1 for August, as compared to 52.8 for July, and a forecast of 52.6. In light of this incredible pickup in manufacturing in China, three-month copper forward prices are increasing to their highest levels since June 2018. Other industrial metals such as nickel, lead, and zinc are experiencing momentum upward as well. For copper specifically, growth in China is one of the most influential factors in price as the Chinese economy accounts for approximately half of the metal's consumption. According to Citigroup in July, China had imported 555,000 metric tons of copper, a record amount. A weakening dollar is also supporting the surge in copper and other commodities in general as the DXY hits its two-year record lows. With commodities ripping as well as the S&P 500, NASDAQ, and the Dow Jones experiencing their highest gains last month since April, markets are alive and kicking going into September. However, as the U.S. rolls into the fall months and employment is still broadly a drag on the economy, COVID-19 and its continued impact may pose a strong headwind to investors going forward. And with that, I'll send it back to Ash. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Thanks, Nick. Welcome back, Tony. Ash, how you doing, man? Pretty wild markets we have to talk about, eh? I mean, what can you say? S&P 500 closing high, NASDAQ closing high, 35.26 on the S&P, up 26 points, 0.75% on the day. NASDAQ closed record high, 11.939, up 164 points, up 1.4% on the day. It's a beautiful thing. Pretty soon we're going to be able to put this recap on autopilot and just set it to new highs in tech, right? We come in this week to a post-split week. Right. We started the post split week with month end on Monday. 
right? We saw Tesla and Apple rally huge. We saw strong base metals, all that whole inflationary story. And we ended the month of August with the fifth consecutive rally since the two down months of February and March. Right. So now we've got a big party going on today to start the first month of September. Um, You know, what it is, I believe, is the market is very clearly getting Jerome Powell's inflation running hot message. You know, I'm considering that meeting of sort of pivotal time point in this rally and, and looking at it as it may have ignited another leg. And the screen is telling me so far that that's is exactly what's going on. And, you know, right now, Ash, asset holders are benefiting from asset inflation. And that is the intention of this program, whether it be, you know, logical, sane, normal, you know, uh, applicable, acceptable or whatever. Um, this is the, the Fed world that we're living in. And inflation runs hot means inflation runs hot. Yeah, so we've got, you know, we've got technical hallmarks. Uh, of this sending signals all over the place, Ash, right? We've got a weak dollar. We've got a steepening curve. We've got tips rallying. We've got market-based inflation um, numbers ticking higher. All of this is contributing to a commodity breakout. So yeah. this is, you know, this is all happening the way it sounds like the Federal Reserve has planned it. Yeah. And, you know, whether it lasts, we don't know. But, you know, when you just keep passing the baton from one sector to the next, to the next, to the next, you get this type of sustained price action and the shock and awe that we see on our screens. Yeah. You know, Tony, I've got a quote for you. I understand we're overvalued. I understand that we're overpriced in terms of valuation. But you have to also understand the Fed mechanism part because it's really relevant to price action. Tony Greer, August 25th, 2020. (laughs) Yeah, right. So this is the that's the mechanism that we're seeing. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm looking, I'm going over today's notes for our daily briefing, Ash. You know, and I'm seeing that obviously we've got technology breaking out once again, right? Software is eating the world. Internet stocks, cloud storage—they're all making new highs today. But then you drill down a little further, and today you've got basic material sector breaking out in two sigma fashion, led by chemical stocks. And I haven't even gotten the chance to figure out why chemical stocks are rallying. But Sherwin-Williams is up 11%. Air Products is up 9%. And these are stocks that haven't been on my radar screen in a while. So this is the thing with this rally where technology is steady. Um, You know, gold has taken a little bit of a pause here. But now we've got other sectors like chemicals all of a sudden starting to perform and break out. So when you've got that kind of a cocktail right behind it in the industrial sector you've got home builders that i've been touting for weeks and months and today you've got a big rally in lennar and i haven't checked out to see why that is but you know this whole thing of seeing more people moving out of the cities in the suburbs is now getting a lot of media coverage so while we may be in a little bit ahead of this in the newsletter world and in the investing world i think that this type of trade is making its way out to the retail world so those are the things that I'm seeing. And man, you know, as I've been writing about, this feels like a new leg to the rally and I expect it to continue for a little while. I really do. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, average, I looked this up right before we jumped on the air, average annual return, S&P 500, 1957 to 2018, 8% per year. S&P 500 return, August 2020, 7%. Since you were last here, August 25th, if my back of the envelope math is right, up on the S&P 500, 6% seven days. Sounds about right. I mean, the thing is climbing um, 
uh, uh, climbing a wall here and it, it, we keep getting good news, right? If you ask me, getting we're getting news about some of the COVID statistics to me that make it seem like we may have gone a little bit heavy handed with the emergency lending facilities, right? Mm. That's another world of its own. Let's just leave that there. But what we've still got are markets that are responding to the Fed's direction. And, you know, Ash, I, I look between now and the election and I don't see what stops it. You know, right. This is a this is a um, it's one of those things where everybody wants to hate on the rally because it's very difficult to get a hold of. And I understand the stock market is trading at one hundred and eighty something percent of our GDP. And at some level, that shouldn't be sustainable. But at some level, if we have seven trillion dollars on the Fed balance sheet and endless accommodation with this, with the S&P at all time highs, then maybe it is sustainable for a little while longer. And as a trader, I'm really looking at the little while longer side. Now, I can say that I wouldn't be investing fresh money into the tech market at these highs. Like, you know, my my first dollar earned would not go right into the tech market here. But, you know, man, it's certainly something that you're going to want to get hold of at some point. It looks like a secular rally going on. Yeah. I was just going to ask, now that we've set the stage, what is the price action telling you? When you look at the tape, what are you getting from the signal there? We're going, you know, we're going um, parabolic in, in a couple of different ways. You know, like software has been eating the world. It's up 42 percent on the year. So, uh, Internet stocks are right behind them. They're up 41 percent on the year. Cloud storage is right in line. You know, um, when have we seen returns like that and taken them seriously? Right. You know, we used to generate try to generate five to seven percent annual returns on good investments and high yield items. And now it's 45 percent in a year that we happen to get, you know, a, a crazy black swan occur. So there's really there's unprecedented situations going on and portfolio managers are dealing with them in unprecedented ways. And it doesn't seem like they're afraid to continue to put money into this market. Yeah. Last time it felt like this was 1999 when you and I were both younger guys. Well, yeah, you know, in, in, in a bit of the uh, a little bit of the atmosphere, not not the atmosphere. I won't say the atmosphere feels like that. The market feels like that, where the market yeah. is going up every day. You know, I just I heard yesterday was Tesla's biggest biggest market cap gain in the history of the stock. So, like, you know, we're having new snowballing things happen that's going on with this whole market cap porn. We've got Apple's market cap, the size of the Russell 2000 index. And, you know, eventually we're going to look back on this and say, yeah, that wasn't sustainable forever. We should have known that. But, you know, for the next several days and weeks and probably months of trading purposes, that looks very much intact to me. Yeah. And this is what's so interesting to me because, you know, Tony Greer's world, when you're looking at these on shorter time horizons, when you're thinking about these as a trader, I think it's sometimes hard for people to get their heads around the fact that things can be overvalued on a long-term basis. But you're just looking at this now over what sort of time horizon and what's your feeling about it over the time horizon that you're viewing it on? Well, I, you know, from a tactical perspective, Ash, I feel like we are back in the fall of last year, Okay. In the fall of last year, the S&P was quietly breaking above the double top at 3030, I believe it was, right? And stocks were rallying. Technology was definitely in the lead. Fang was in the lead for sure, just like we are today with Fang carving a new high and, and seems to do that pretty much every day behind Apple. Then we had the situation where the Fed opened up the overnight window, right? And there was massive, there was 
trillions of dollars trade, excuse me, billions of dollars trading in the overnight window at the Fed. Um, this looked like not QE to the markets. That's what they called it. And no matter what it was, it was providing liquidity. Okay. The stock market then ran from 3030 to a new high of 3400 before we ran into the COVID beast. And during that time frame, you know, volatility shrunk. The S&P and NASDAQ were carving new highs by small increments every day. They were not increments like this, but that was before the Fed said that they were going to let inflation run hot. And my point is, last fall, you know, fall through January, we went on a 300 point run until we ran into a 400 point S&P run until we ran into the highs and finally backed off due to uh, a totally unforeseen event. And so now I feel like with that event in the rearview mirror coming through the S&P highs that we came from before that with the market right on track and sort of getting back on the trajectory it was on before COVID, the market is really putting COVID behind it. And so I would hesitate to fade this move into new highs here. That's just the way that I'm looking at it from yeah. a tactical trading perspective. So I want to give this a couple more weeks and months to see if the breakout to new highs is going to last. It sure looks like it does. And that's your feeling over the period uh, looking ahead for weeks and months is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it took. So, for example, from the S&P to break through 3030 and grind its way to 3400, I believe it made the highs in January or maybe it was December. But, you know, that was just a good three month run where we had a different type of rotation, mostly led by tech. We had industrials in the rear. We had financials behind that. But the stock market was finding a new leader and a new piece of good news to rally on every day. And right. that's what it feels like to me today. And now that we just went to this atmosphere where the post split, where the two most popular stocks sucking up all the oxygen in the markets are now a quarter of the price they were you know, last weekend, there's still liquidity coming into these markets. Guess where it's going to go? Into those you know, stocks where the money is treated best. So you know, I, I, you got to watch Apple, you got to watch Tesla, you got to watch Google, Facebook, Microsoft through this whole thing. But my sense is that as long as the Fed is going to be letting inflation run hot and providing liquidity for that, that money is going to make its way into the FANG stocks and big tech. And that's going to lead the markets and we'll probably have gold tag along at some point. So when you look at those stocks, Tony, do you see similar signals coming from all the FANG stocks or their differentiation when you look at the price action there? Yeah, you know, Apple is the big one taking on the big lead right now. But, you know, as it goes through $2 trillion in market cap and eclipses the Russell 2000, et cetera, um, you know, I, that's certainly something that I'm not in the business of fading at any price. But right behind it, you've got Amazon that's, you know, announcing new things like operating drone delivery and rallying to new highs like it did today. You had Facebook uh, last week or maybe it was two weeks ago report earnings and explode. Um, you know, in, in large magnitudes to new highs. So it's one of those baton passes, Ash, where it's a different name in the group. Netflix, excuse me, Netflix had like a Six Sigma rally, you know, after reporting earnings last week, their their business is still growing. And so, you know, when you just when you think one of the FANG stocks is out of ammo to go up from where it is, it comes out with another big headline, you know, and, yeah. and attracts more money. And I think that that's the answer. So the money is finding its way into these markets, um, you know, looking for a place where it's treated best, not looking for a place where it's, you know, trading at the best valuation or the cheapest valuation. You know, we've kind of departed from that, um, yeah. you know, market gauge a long time ago, Ash. Yeah, it's interesting. All of those uh, stocks that you mentioned all have obvious momentum 
plays, but they also have like a stay at home play. There's also like a seems to be a structural sense of these are the direction that things are moving in, in terms of the way we lead our lives, increasingly in the cloud, increasingly uh, online and uh, increasingly engaged doing what we're doing right now. Such a great point, Ash. And we, we spoke about that when we spoke about tech the last time, you know, and we talked about it as the perfect storm for technology once again. And, you know, you thought that it was, um, you know, if you stayed with the idea that it was the stay at home stocks that were rallying, you missed the boat on the fact that everybody's going to be working from home phase of the market rally, right? And that's where the home builders are taking off. That's where technology is taking off to fill those home offices that are, you know, theoretically in the process of being built now as people run from the big cities into the suburbs. And yeah. obviously, as we know, you don't have to go far to find there was just an article in the Times last weekend about, you know, the, the droves of people moving from New York to Florida and Texas and, you know, other parts of the world. So that's shaking up these housing stocks pretty good. I really think so. And, and maybe they're anticipating and getting out ahead of the actual nail banging for the exodus of people. But that's generally right. what markets do. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. This is a story that uh, the chatter class and the media just loves to talk about, right? People are leaving the city. People are moving to suburbs. It's this constant back and forth. But what are the actual numbers telling you? When you look at the tape, what do you see there? Well, you know, I mean, you can't equate the the story directly to the tape, but you can equate the rotation at some level to the tape. You know, it, it, it's no shock that you know, if you go on a year to date basis and you we take technology out for a minute and, you know, you look at home builders and builders and industrials and you'll see that metals and mining is up at the top of the leaderboard. So, in, you know, in addition to, um, you know, the, the software and the technology and cloud stocks running, you know, you've got other industrial sectors that aren't maybe performing as well, but they're finding their own reasons to rally. And so. You know, when we saw home builders take off and rally, now we're seeing the chemical stocks, which are very much going to be on my radar because we haven't seen big moves in big chemical stocks lately. So this might be their leg higher to keep up with the boom in industry or building that may be coming. And maybe it's just pure liquidity that's coming and it's not anticipating more economic strength. Uh, but the numbers seem to be keep coming in better than expected. And that's what fuels this dynamic. Yeah. Last week, we talked a bit about energy. What's your outlook there? Bullish the commodity, bearish the stocks, man, until further notice. You know, I think that we are probably getting to near a point where energy stocks are getting thrown out like the baby with the bathwater, partially with this ESG thing, partially with Exxon coming out of the Dow Jones. Right. You know, that those types of realignments are just putting energy out of favor. It's a super minuscule part of the S&P now, Ash, and that's generally when you don't want to fall asleep on a sector, right? right? So, so while I'm not going to have any money sitting in it, waiting for it to come alive, I am going to start watching it on a performance basis, just like we have been watching technology and metals and miners for the last several months that allow us, us to get into those plays several months ago. And so when energy perks up, when the stocks start to perk up and start to break through resistance levels and maybe you start uh, rallying on bad news instead of getting crushed on bad news like they are now, um, then we'll start looking into buying those. And, and those will have their day in terms of percentage performance, too, because I know that once every mutual fund 
cleans their cupboards of the awful fossil fuel burning companies. You know, somebody smart is somebody smart that runs a private company is going to come along and say, well, we haven't gone all electronic yet. And these companies are going to continue burning gas or excuse me, drilling for gasoline. And so then we'll find a couple of those diamonds in the rough, I think, is what I'm hoping for anyway. But those are just sort of fringe of the radar screen plays right now. Yeah, because I'm not cooking with hydrogen. The car still runs on gasoline. And look, there's demand for fossil fuels into, you know, decades into the future. Exactly. We're not done at the pump yet. (laughs) Let's put it that way. We're not done at the pump. Yeah. And that's not a moral position. That's just the reality of the world. I mean, that's just where we are. Absolutely. And and if you want to have the moral position, the, all the ESG funds are set up for you to go out there and purchase, right? You can be environmentally conscious, socially conscious, governance conscious. You can buy, you know, mutual funds, ETFs. It's all lined right up there. So you right. know, we can pick pick and choose. It's just a different way of slicing up the S&P, if you ask me. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Yeah, but you're bullish on the underlying commodities. Yeah, very bullish commodities right now. Is that a dollar play or is that a combination of the anticipation of demand? Well put on it's a dollar play for starters. Um, it's for dollar play for starters, number one. Number two, you know, th- this we're seeing the Fed go to a new dovish phase where they're gonna let inflation run hot. The reason that I am so bullish commodities is because Jerome Powell said that in his um, Jackson Hole speech on Zoom. And he said that after commodities already staged a really interesting bottom consolidation and breakout beyond their moving averages. And I'm just bunching them together right now in the Bloomberg Commodities Index. But when I've been writing about, wow, look at these commodities starting to pick up, and then I'm writing about here goes the Bloomberg Commodity Index through the 200-day moving average when everybody has it written off for dead, and then the Fed chairman comes out and says he's going to let inflation run hot. That gives me confidence that I was looking in the right place. The market was telegraphing what was going to happen. And now we're going to have an opportunity to actually capitalize on the rest of the rally because you can tell that every dollar that's going to be invested in commodities and commodity stocks this year is not in the markets yet. Mm. So room to run there. Room to run. And the path, you know, I'm not going to say the path is going to be linear um, Ash, nothing goes up, you know, in straight line. We're going to hit some banana peels here and there because the market's going to get overly long and stocks are going to get bit up ahead of that. Um, but on the dip, I am going to be looking aggressively to get into these uh, these plays, get more overweight natural resources, overweight metals and mining. And, you know, if you can find a tech sector to buy on the dip, you got to be there. You got to be there for the long haul. Yeah. We touched on something a few minutes ago when we were talking about oil. Uh, what's your view on the dollar? What play role is that playing in these markets? I saw earlier uh, euro dollar up over a buck twenty. I think it's down around one nineteen now. Uh, and also looking at breaking out higher on uh, sterling dollar as well on the cable. Cable and euro are doing a job on the USD right now, right? That's the uh, that's the theme in the markets, as we know. Dollar sentiment is pretty much as bearish as can be given this recent pivot. 
It doesn't look like you hear, you know, you don't hear President Trump squawking that the dollar is going down and that's a problem, right? There's a reason for that. The dollar going down is great for our exporters. I'm sure he has no problem with it. It's also good for this inflation rally, although he hasn't made that connection. But I think that um, once you start getting this going on the dollar, which it seems like we did coming out of COVID, it seems like the way that's the market wants, that's the way the market wants to trade. You know, if you remember, the dollar index had a super, super um, volatile couple of months going into COVID where first it rallied and then it backed off sharply and then it came back into its zone and then it took a dive. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going on the fact that the dive seems to be the sustainable move, that this is the way the market is telegraphing. And it may not be down in a straight line once again, but broadly speaking, it seems like we're going to go and pivot now into a weaker dollar trading, stronger currency, meaning euro, cable, maybe emerging market currency trading. And we'll see what happens with that. But generally what happens with that, once you know all of that gets going in one direction, you'll see the pullback. But I don't think we're there yet. It still feels like the dollar can trade to the bottom of the range, sort of in the high 80s in the dollar index to me, which is like 124 in the euro and maybe closer to 138, 140 in cable. So where that that's where the real um, resistance um, or say call it support for the dollar is. So until we get to a real next level where it's going to bounce and show some bite on the way back up, I'm going right. to continue and plan for it to trade lower. So some room at the margin for it to drop until it hits the support levels. Let me ask you this, Tony. What does that do to your outlook for U.S. equities, especially uh, big cap tech? Well, um, I'm going to draw a line and connect the dollar closer with my natural resources plays since everybody, every, all of those are based off of commodities. And, you know, I'm, I'm really not in the mode to, I'm not in the mode to sort of take profits right now and then hope that the markets back off. Right. In, right. in, in, in so what I'm going to, the way that I'm going to play it is I'm going to be prepared to buy these trades again on the dip. And I'm going to see if they keep playing out. So that's the game plan from here is if you get a dip in the technology, as you mentioned, we're going to buy that. If we get a dip in the gold price and the silver price, we're going to look to buy that um, because letting inflation run hot means letting inflation run hot. And if you get days where the market puts that idea out of favor, which I can't even picture right now, the way they're trading on the screens behind yeah. me. Um, but if you get that dip in the markets, that's where you've got to step your foot in and and see if these stocks are going to finish the year the way they've telegraphed the entire first eight months of the year. A lot of momentum, but only Tuesday. What's your outlook for the rest of the week? Well, I'm glued to the BCOM like this, right, from the time I wake up in the morning because um, – Every morning, there's been proof right on the screens that this breakout is real. And when you get confirmation, you get confidence in your position. And so there's opportunities there to upsize things, right? So I'm looking for the rest of the week now for a follow through in commodities. You know, just this morning on my screen, for example, Ash, the, the proof in the commodity rally was zinc was a two sigma extension to a new high for the move this morning, right? Now, not everybody's watching LME Zinc, but when you're long natural resources plays and you're long a copper play, and so you're figuratively long copper, you don't lose confidence on a day like today when copper isn't really going anywhere because aluminum and zinc are rallying. You know, so when you have the sort of that well-rounded look at the base metal market, you know, you can have some confidence and look to the copper stock and see if it's cheap on the day and buy it. 
You know, so their market opportunities set up like that, where we're trading some Freeport Macaran and we have the confidence to stay in it because this morning we've got, you know, big rallies in nickel and aluminum and base metals. So now that we've even got grains participating in the rally, I saw the other day that China, you know, bought an, um, a larger order of grains from the U.S. than expected. Um, there are concerns about the U.S. crop now. So corn, beans and wheat are rallying. So if you add that component to rallying into the Bloomberg Commodity Index, you're going to really start to see some headline inflation soon. And so since that's the Fed's objective, I'm going to try to get into these positions and hold them until we start seeing some actual headline inflation. And that may not happen, but I think the trades are going to work anyway. Tony, what indexes are you watching? Are you watching CPI, PCE, uh, producer price index? Where do you look when you look for inflation to start creeping in? Yeah, well, you want to see headline inflation in CPI and PPI. Next, uh, we have next Thursday and Friday, the 10th and the 11th, we have CPI and PPI. So we've been beating expectations there, Ash. That's certainly one of the places. But if you look at the credit markets and some of the smaller diagnostics in the credit markets, you know, the curve is starting to steepen a little bit. Um, forward forwards are ticking higher. Break evens are ticking higher. Tips are ticking higher, right? So we're seeing the actual manifestation of market-based inflation expectations ticking up. And so that's giving us confidence to stay in all of these trades, not just the commodity rally, but the tech rally and everything else. And I think that um, in terms of indices, you've got to keep your eye on the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Watch the um, LME Metals Index for you know one whole look at base metals. And um, then you've got you can probably break the other ones down to individual commodities from there. But um, I think you got to watch the whole basket and see if it catches fire. Then we're going to see it come through in the PPI and CPI for sure. Tony, I'm going to see you again in a few days. We're doing the Festival of Learning together. That's right. That's going to be a great event. Yeah, it's going to be a great event. I think it's you, me, Jared Dillian and uh, and Tommy Thornton. That's right. I mean, I'm more excited to hear about what other traders have to say, but I have to say that um, when I went back and started sort of writing that letter to my younger self as a trader, I realized sort of, you know, some of the most important things that I learned over the years really came to the top. So uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that with everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a great panel. Totally. Looks like it's Wednesday and Thursday, that's September 2nd and September 3rd. Uh, and I believe tickets are going up in price tomorrow night. So if you haven't bought them yet and you're interested in checking it out, check it out. It's free for Plus and Pro Tier members at Real Vision. I'm excited for that myself. Yeah, looking forward to doing it. Tony, final thoughts. Man, you know, this we're not at the level where this is a fade just yet. You know, you have to be concerned after the Apple split and after the Tesla split. But it seems like the law of cheap prices is what is ru ruling the day right now. You know, the liquidity from the Fed is finding its way into these big performers. And I think it's maybe too early to call a top. Um, now, I reserve the right to change my mind between now and next Tuesday when we speak or the next time we speak. But at the moment, you know, it, it feels like this is where the money wants to go. And portfolio managers, like I said, they're leaving tire marks all over the tape. They're getting into these Internet stocks now. And there may be a pullback when they lay off the gas. But I got a feeling that we're going to have buyers in the waiting because of this dynamic that we've created on top of the technical breakout. So that's what I come up with if I wrap it up in a bow, Ash. What a time to be in markets. Whew, sure is. Tony Greer, editor of Morning Navigator and TG Macro. Thanks for joining us, Tony. Thank you for having me, brother.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.